This is Luke Moroney for the Daily Property Search Podcast. And the topic I'd like to talk to you all about today is what's happening in property in Melbourne's outskirts. Before I get into this topic, just a disclaimer that this podcast is for general purposes only and should not be regarded as legal or financial advice. Make sure you get your own independent advice when it comes to investing. So what is happening with property in Melbourne's outskirts? Are we seeing the rise, a fall? What are we seeing on the ground? And I thought I would bring a different perspective than my own personal knowledge. And I thought of bringing on a real estate agent in that area to discuss some of these on a Facebook Live video I did today was really good to get some of his insights and ask some of those powerful questions that can help us identify what is actually happening on the ground. So it's good to go back through some of the recent history with him to see what's happening today. And I thought I'd bring a little bit of insight to what he's actually talking about and how I relate that back to my thoughts and feelings on what type of investments will work, what type of things are happening in the economy in that local area, what is the extent of happening around that surrounding areas and around the rest of the city of Melbourne to get a really good gauge about where, what we need to find out as investors and what we need to think about and do and what home buyers also need to think about and do. So let me get right into some of these ideas I brought from the responses that came from this real estate agent in that southwest area of Melbourne. So going from Werribee down to Point Cook and Tarnit and some of those surrounding areas of that area that I explained or some of those suburbs within that area. Firstly, you mentioned that there are lower listing numbers from back three or four years ago where they previously would have 1,400 properties on the market in some of those um, collective areas. Now we're on about 900 of those properties. So that means 40% of properties are now not on market. Uh, the amounts are, are not the same. So there is, I guess, a, a, a standpoint that you would think that with the 40% reduction in listings, that there's going to be more competitive nature when it comes to purchasing these properties. But the unfortunate thing is we are having low listing numbers, but we're actually having lower buyer numbers. And maybe that's holding back so many people from putting their properties on the market. If they're willing to wait um, another 6, 12, 24 months, or whatever it might be before there's a bit more of that frenzied activity happening, they're likely to get those higher prices. And without the buyer numbers actually coming through, people are reluctant to actually put their property on the market right now. So if they don't have to sell, they won't put it on for sale. And they'll decide to wait for their move down the track. Now, the, the danger in that is, you know, what is the situation if you do sell? Are you moving into another location where it actually is better off financially for you to move to that location? Are you moving and then renting? Um, are you moving into another location to rent and you rent out your own property? So there's a lot of different decisions to make. And, you know, what's the best use of your money and your finances as well as what's going to work best for you where you live as well in your enjoyment, your happiness of what you're doing? So we've really got to reflect on that when we're thinking about buying and selling and what is the, our best move. Um, yes, we, if you've held the property for five, 10 years or so in some of these areas, you would have substantial capital growth. And because it's come back, people have got that mentality that I'm losing out on some of this growth. So I don't want to be doing that. 
So they put themselves in a position, position that they want the highest price possible and they're willing to wait maybe another five, seven or 10 years before it gets to those peaks again. So that's the danger in that. And that kind of happened back in 2002 all the way to 2012. That's 10 years without any growth on those properties or seeing those peaks again on, on the property market. So that could be a danger for some of those people holding back at the moment and they may actually be better off moving their money out of that particular property, moving on to another property that might be able to gain more in future. So watch out for some of those lower listing numbers and more importantly, some of the lower buying numbers. So previously they've had 25 groups go through in some of their open inspections. Now they're back to like five or 10. And you've got to think out of the five, uh, maybe they said five or seven actually, not five or 10, but out of those five or seven people that are coming on, how many can actually look at it, put themselves in a position to actually make a purchase on that property? Chances are there would be one or maybe even none. So, you know, there's a lot of people that go to open the inspections, including myself, and they're not in a position to buy those properties. Maybe they're looking at the market for down the track. That brings me to the second point where first home buyers are probably out there looking at the moment but they are waiting for the government incentive that's starting in um, early 2020. So this is a special grant that um, the government is looking to give and helping them with the lending situation of providing additional funds um, on a, a type of scheme or incentive for first home buyers to get into the market. So it was an encouragement on the back of the election for the Liberal Party and Labor agreed to it as well that they would um, approve this once uh, the election was completed, didn't matter which party actually got in. Then, uh, so we've got a situation that will be implemented at some stage and uh, a date will be processed on that and then people can start. And I, I believe it's around the 1st of January. We'll be interesting to see how that all transacts and how that's gonna work. But there's a situation where 10,000 people around Australia can um, sign up for this particular incentive. So I think a lot of people are putting themselves in a position to wait for this if they're first home buyers. There's a, there's a, it's a double-edged sword. So in one circumstance, you get the, the incentive and you're going to be able to get the loan. On the other side is that there's going to be a lot of first home buyers competing for some of these properties that you're looking at. That might mean that the prices increase because of that competition and put you in a perspective that you lose out on all the incentive because of the, the price increase and the competition that is uh, on the back of that incentive that so many other people want to get involved with. So you've actually got to consider this and if you're in a position to actually buy now, the, the buying market remains very good. So maybe it's better off not to take the incentive and actually buy before it gets implemented to get those discounted prices rather than wait and have more competition and less uh, potential properties on the market for you to choose from. So some people might be in a position where they can't actually make a purchase unless this incentive is in place. And if that's the case, you will have to wait. But if there is a situation you're a first time buyer and you really wanna buy that property, maybe start to look at properties now on the hope of actually buying something in the next six months or so prior to this coming in. Because people are liking the, the whole idea of the specials that are coming out from the government to actually get them into a situation where they're gonna think it's actually gonna be cheaper, but it's gonna be a higher price because they're gonna put themselves in a position being competition with other people.
The third point I like to make is buyers are, are, are handing back their deposits and looking to unsell their new builds at a lower price. So that's kind of happening in some of these outskirts uh, areas of Melbourne. I've been talking about this a little bit recently. It's also happening in areas of Sydney as well and around the country where there's been a lot of development action happen over the last, I'd say, you know, six to eight years um, you know, on the back of after the GFC when builders came back in, in the force and started building these properties and there was a little bit more activity going on. Um, but we are in a situation that some people that put in deposits in 2016 and 2017 and 2018 are not going to be able to complete on these properties because the valuations on those properties has reduced. Now, that's, now people are in a situation where they're looking to what, we, what do we do when we can't afford to make this purchase because we don't have the deposit of, available to put more money into the property that previously the, the lenders have said that they'll come up with those funds. But because of the change in price, they've changed their idea or their, their promise, I guess, or the, the initial amounts that were agreed to has changed because of the valuation. No fault to the bank, but in terms of where property prices are going, the banks will basically lend on the valuation of the independent valuers give them. So that's a worry, I guess, for those people in terms of not being able to come up with funds. And then they might be in a position to either lose all their deposit um, people are in a situation that they're trying to unsell their property, get all their money back. If not, get a, uh, uh, an amount of money back f- from the, 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 the deposit they put in place. So that's a big factor for people. You know, people looking to lose 30, 40, 50 grand in deposits they've put down on some of these house and land packages that have been built in these outskirts of Melbourne, outskirts of Sydney and other areas of the country as well. So one to really watch out for, can you really snap up a bargain? Maybe in certain situations, but you know, it's not a case that it's going to be a significant amount. 30, 40, 50 grand might mean that if prices go down further, that any discount that you put on the property and make that purchase is really not going to be significant enough to actually uh, build that, that growth in future. And if markets continue to decline in some of these areas that are oversupplied, and some of these suburbs have you know, four or 500 properties listed on the market right now, so there is. Um, a lot of supply and not much demand. So ones to watch out for in some of these outskirts areas. Um, they're still making transactions going through, um, but there's less buyers and obviously less listing numbers. If we get to a stage where there's more listings coming on the market and that number gets closer, closer to the previous highs, which I would expect at some stage, then there's a danger for those sellers Uh, And buyers are going to have an opportunity to see more motivated sellers in the market. So one to really watch out for and keep a close eye on. As a a property investor, we do keep a note on these sort of things and make sure that we're in a picture to snap up the bargains when they present themselves. So hopefully that's helped you think about the Melbourne outskirts and some of those new builds and what's going on in some of these suburbs. And if you want to obviously see the full interview that I had with Jazz Singh, it's on Facebook Live as of the date 
um, because some of these recordings come a little bit later on into the podcast world, but uh, it's Friday the 21st of June. If you want to go back to that particular recording on my Facebook page, which is Luke Maroney. But if you want to talk about this subject further, please do give me a call um, on 0400-332-377 and happy to discuss your own personal circumstances when it comes to property investing. And thank you for so much for tuning in. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.